Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to Under the Macroscope, Skybound Capital's uh, weekly podcast series. And our chief strategist in the London office, Jabir Sadawala, is back with us again. And Jabir, grabbing the headlines uh, all over the UK, I'm here at the moment myself and not far from Glasgow, actually, where COP26 has been taking place. And I'd just like to give a summary in in your view of of what has been achieved by this conference, this coming together of of world leaders uh, making pledges and promises, some notable absentees as well, but what has COP26 achieved in your mind? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, thank you, Matt. Um, It's good to be back. I mean, I think that is the key question in your location right now, it's right in the the heart of it. what I'm hearing and reading so far um, are a lot of words like pledges, promises, intentions. And uh, I know it's easy to be cynical about these things, but um, I feel that the headline noise from both sides, uh, from those politicians who, um, uh, uh, who are present, the many more who fail to show, And then, of course, the protesters who have the most to lose, I would argue, uh, given their current state. Um, It's for me, it's it's not done a huge amount, but really we'll have to see how it goes. So, for instance, if you look at some of the pledges, um, India, one of the biggest polluters, uh, but not the biggest, um, has said it intends to generate half its electricity from renewables by 2030. And also it intends to achieve net zero emission status by 2070. Now, remember 2030 is that kind of magical line in the sand because uh, what we've got to do now is anything and everything that keeps us within or not exceeding the one and a half degree warming um, uh, line. So this is is really, uh, this is already cutting it down to the wire. Um, most experts are saying that that's incredibly ambitious. And then if you look at forests, and I want to come on to this later on, um, in terms of the kind of short-term pledges that can be achieved, what's being said on forests, which are being cleared at the rate of uh, something like 30 football pitches a minute, yeah, that's the kind of staggering figure we're looking at. Uh, if you average these things up. Um, there was some success there, uh, because when we think of deforestation, typically we think of the Amazon rainforest. And there, of course, Brazil, you know, at the center of it all. So for the first time, even Brazil's bought into this. Um, and over a hundred world leaders agreed to reverse deforestation by 2030. But unfortunately, once again, they haven't really spelt out how they're going to do it. There have been pledges of money, which is one step further than what happened in the previous international agreement in 2014. Um, The amounts are not big. I mean, we're talking, you know, based on the latest pledges, we're talking about funding that backs something like 14 billion pounds worth. Well, I mean, you know, 14 billions, not, well, we'll have to see, but I suppose it's a start. It's, uh, it comprises public and private funds, but it's gonna to have to go a long, long way. Um, 
and some of that money will go to developing countries to restore damaged land and help tackle wildfires. Um, the other area, the other big cause of CO2, GHG emissions is methane. Now methane is, you know, it's not as present in the atmosphere by anything like as much as carbon dioxide, but it's lethal. It's, 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 it's potent. Um, and atmospheric levels have surged over the past decade. So here what we've had is a commitment, and again, it's another loose word, but it's a commitment by an alliance of more than 90 nations, um, which together represents something like two thirds of the global economy. Uh, to reduce methane emissions by at least 30% from current levels by 2030. Mm -hmm. So if they can do that, that's fantastic. Um, I guess the question is then how are they going to do that? You know, that's, that's really the important one. And uh, methane as a gas is emitted from pretty much anywhere. I mean, gas and oil fields, uh, um, livestock, um, landfill sites, they're really dangerous and potent landfill sites. People use it as a dumping ground. Um, and the idea there, led by the US, is that companies will be obliged to plug as many leaks um, in something like, you know, in more than three million miles of pipelines. Um, hard to believe that something like that can be the cause. I mean, we, we hear about dripping pipes. Uh, home and office and wherever. I guess it's the same thing here, but look significantly, um, China, India, and Russia have not pledged to cut their methane gas emissions. And they are, they are you know, the biggest polluters or amongst them. Um, you have a situation with coal as well. So there what's been agreed is that um, uh, uh, they will cut that. But unfortunately, the absence of Australia, India, the US and China from that pledge to, to drop it, um, you know, makes it rather, rather flimsy. Yeah. You, you mentioned one and a half degrees. I mean, at the heart of a lot of what has been discussed is these temperature targets. Yeah. Uh, and listening to you, uh, you sound skeptical mm -hmm. uh, that this can be achieved based on uh, scientific research that, that you studied. So what, what does this mean practically? What has to happen for these targets to be reached? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that really is the nub of it. You know, I'm, I'm skeptical, I'm worried, and I'm frustrated. Uh, skeptical because all I hear are words like intentions and pledges. Worried because time is running out. You know, we've seen the damage that's been inflicted upon us just from a potential one and a half degree warming. Um, so now to put some flesh on that, scientists have evaluated, this is the, the Climate Action uh, Tracker Group, and uh, they've evaluated what's come out of COP26. And um, they're saying, we're not gonna make it, that uh, you know, we're on course for 2.4 degree warming. Well, look at the damage that's been inflicted on the planet, just from one and a half. Um, and if we're going to bust that and go to 2.4, at the extreme end, we're talking 2.7. Um, the best case scenario, if people, if countries do meet their targets, is that we might be able to keep that down to 1.8, but it's still above the 1.5. Um, so it is, it's, it's worrying. It's worrying when you see what we have to go through around the world. Um, you know, I, I, I think, I think the, the sad thing here is that for a lot of countries, for those, at least those who have bothered to attend, 
it's essentially just the way of papering over the cracks and just trying to conduct business as normal. Um, almost in a way, those that didn't attend have been brutally honest about it. Um, whether they go on and do their own thing, we'll have to see. But I think like all world's problems, it's going to be left to the micro community to get on with it. And we know they are. There are real efforts being made. And meanwhile, the, in, if, if you look at the firing line in terms of who's at risk here, you know, we hear about the South Pacific Islands um, who, where because of uh, uh, water levels rising, they are the first ones to potentially be taken out. Um, and it's like their voices are just not, not even being heard. And so if the pledges are empty, mm -hmm. uh, which it sounds like you think they are, <laughs> yeah. then yeah. what can be done? Yeah, okay. So, okay, so this is exactly it. And here I'm actually also very annoyed at the, uh, the, the protesters because they shout and scream, you know, I'm not gonna mention individual names, it wouldn't be right to do so. But um, I think like all things, you know, don't just talk about the problem, talk about what can be done. And we have the medium and long-term solutions and we must proceed with that. But in the short term, nobody ever asks what can be done immediately or almost immediately, which for me is like within the next 12 to 24 months. So I'll give you an example. I'll just throw this out for good measure particularly around forest or deforestation. We know we're losing the country uh, or, or forest the size of Costa Rica every year. I mean, that's, that's just the fact. Now, here's an example, 60%, 60% of all trees cut down every year goes to the paper industry. Why do we have paper in today's day and age? I mean, haven't people heard of online? I appreciate there are exceptions in the education sector, particularly at the junior primary level. You know, there is still a case for books. Um, but there's no reason why people can't just migrate to online. We hear about newspaper circulation dwindling. Um, you know, and this is an area where governments can force action. They can give a, for instance, um, uh, I don't know if it's a fair figure, but they can give a year's notice to anybody who's in the paper, uh, you know, publishing business and say, look, I'm really sorry, guys, but you're going to have to do something. By the way, that's 60% of tree population that's cut down every year accounts for 20% of all carbon dioxide emissions. In other words, if they were still there, that's what they would be taking out of the atmosphere every year. But because we cut them down, we're losing that ability. You know, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, if you then throw into the mix furniture, and I know you and I have been having a discussion around this as a potential project because of a, what sounds potentially like an ex, you know, excellent idea. Um, you know, land refill uh, waste sites that I just mentioned, um, they can be used to, uh, to um, uh, reuse non-recyclable products. Uh, furniture, another great example. You know, you throw that into the mix, the figure comes to 70 or 80% of all trees that are cut down. Now, these are all things that can be dealt with in the short term. Um, no reason at all why it can't be done. And instantly you're looking at cutting CO2 emissions by minimum 20%. Um, you know, by instantly, I mean over one or two years. Uh, and then suddenly we're much more back on course in terms of hitting that one and a half degree target. 
Um, and then there are micro examples of projects, uh, whether it's just growing, cultivating things in the desert. Um, you know, they do exist, but it's going to have to be at a micro level. I don't understand where these trillions are going. That's my problem. You know, I hear these massive figures and nobody's given me a breakdown as to where this money is going. Well, that's what we love about you on the podcast. You know, there's this cynicism uh, followed by pragmatism and practicality. So this issue certainly is not going away. Uh, it's been fascinating to hear your initial thoughts on this, but th there is going to have to be uh, a great deal of follow-up and leaders held to account uh, yeah. coming out of, of this conference, because as you say, pledges can be empty and yeah. those in attendance uh, may commit their governments and countries to something that they can't practically achieve. Uh, and when they're held to account, they're nowhere to be seen. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. But we'll do our best in our little voice on the podcast to uh, to follow up on this and, and to keep a close eye on developments. Jabir, as always, great to have you uh, on the podcast uh, under the microscope. You can download it on Apple, Spotify, or the Google podcast platform for Android and all past editions of Under the Macroscope available at www.skyboundcapital.com. Until next time on Under the Macroscope, have a great week.